Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Well, welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and here across the table from me, as always, is my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. John, I, I really, I know you told me a little bit about last weekend, yeah. was, you know, about the, the conference, so, you know, for those that weren't there, yeah. you guys share it. The so, one in yeah. Columbus, yeah, yeah, man, it was incredible. First and foremost, a lot of people told me to tell you hi. Uh, there's a lot of people that listen to us up there. Uh, there were That's several shocking. men that came up, and yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, the first guy came up, he's like, I listen to your show, and I was like, oh, you're the one, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're the one guy. Everybody started laughing, but um, you know, there's a lot of people. One one younger man came up and said that you know somebody in another parish had turned him on to mm-hmm. us, and uh, and that him and a bunch of his buddies were listening to it. So shout out to them. Uh, another man came up and he's like, I've listened to y'all every one of your episodes two or three times, which we've God got bless, three hundred episodes. Sir. God bless you. Sir. Yeah, he's That's a glutton right. for punishment, That's right? right? Yeah. He's a very patient man. <laughs> he's learned. He, but, he's heard like, like we we've grown over time. Hopefully, yeah. That's yeah, right. right. He's heard how many times I've said uh and yeah and all those things and. And all the Mind Palace references right, and all that right. stuff. But, you know, I was made a joke, or he made a joke. He said, yeah, I listen all the time. He goes, a few weeks ago, you weren't able to do a show, and you came back on and said, we aren't able to do a show. And he was like, oh, I know. I was remodeling yeah. a house, and I was fully aware that mm-hmm. you weren't, you didn't have a show because I didn't have anything to listen to, which was really awesome. And then yeah. a bunch of other people just said, you know, we really loved your show. We listened to it forever. So thank you to all y'all up there that listened. Uh, as far as the conference, man, it was one of my favorite ones I've ever been on. Um, I mean, been to it was from start to finish. Uh, they were the the team with Matt and Mike and all the rest of the guys. They were all just so dialed in to, mm-hmm. to everything. Like our needs as speakers, whatever we wanted to do, they worked with me. You know, they had me going last, and I asked to be put in the you know, second in the morning. Uh, they allowed me to call them into conversion. Man, there was so many thousands of men. I mean, there's thousands of men there. And I think like every single one of those men went to confession. That's and I'm awesome. not bragging on myself. Yeah. The Lord just through Father Burke Masters and through Chris Stefanik, who was also there, I got to catch up with him. You know, he's a good buddy of mine. It was really enjoyable to be there with him. But we were, I mean, it just, the Lord uses to, to draw people into that, into that mercy. And so guys were coming up and talking about, man, sharing, like crying with tears mm-hmm. in their eyes about things that they've been struggling with and how, you know, they'd been, you know, freed that morning to, to finally go and share it. Uh, there was adoration and mass. It was just a beautiful, beautiful conference. Um, man, I, I don't know. They said there was like three thousand men there, but I think there was more than that. I don't yeah. know, but um, it was it was just a fantastic experience. So to all the guys up in Columbus, thank you for your hospitality. Uh, for all the priests and the deacons and everybody up there I met and the whole conference team, thank you. Uh, I'm going back up there in April. Uh, we actually they came to me and said uh, we were going to do it at a church, but we may have to rent this Ohio Expo Center again oh, because wow. everyone says they're coming. Um, it was it, these guys are just hungry up there. They have a, they have some groups, they have nights, things like that. But all of them are wanting to revitalize and restore, and then also start new groups. So that's what we're going to do. You know full well, Victor, and so do you guys listening out there that that that's what we specialize in is doing these leader summits, especially going into parishes and training leaders and launching groups. So anybody, if you want that same thing in your area. 
get with us. You know, you can go to our website at justagotinthepew.com, fill out the form there. There's a button that says start a men's ministry or find out more. Click that, fill out the form. I'll get on a call with you and we'll get something set up, man. That's what we love to do. And it has put a lot of meaning. We don't want to just go speak. That I went to this conference because they agreed to not only, you know, to have me to speak, but to give us an opportunity to build fruit that lasts. And there were so many men that were hungering for that. So that's why I went. I know I say a lot of times I don't go to conferences. I do when they partner like that. And these guys are willing to partner. And I know we're going to have fruit that lasts up in Columbus for a long time. In the next couple of weeks, we got a couple more men's conferences that have decided to partner with us. One of us is Estovir. It's in Green Bay. We're going up there. That'll be March the 2nd. Uh, so we'll be up there for that weekend. It's at the shrine up there. So if you're a man in the area, go to their website at Estovir, sign up for the conference and join us that day. They're expecting several hundred men there. And then uh, the next weekend on March the 9th, I'll be in the Archdiocese of Dubuque for their men's conference. Uh, I'm giving a couple of talks and, and doing a breakout session there, partnering with them in the hopes of returning to the area to launch groups in parishes. So that's why we're going to these conferences. They're partnering with us. It's a great opportunity. It's just to see so many men. You know, people think the church is going downhill and that we're failing and that men aren't dialed in. Men are coming back and they're looking for something and they're responding to the messages that we're putting out there, Victor, that, mm-hmm. hey, we see you. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to suffer silently, right? God loves you and he wants you to, to reconcile your life and, and, and he has, he has a purpose for you. Right? And that's what people are longing for, and so that's what we're helping them find. So really excited about that. We had a bunch of new guys uh, this weekend sign up as donors, uh, which we really, really appreciate. You know, a lot of guys kept coming up going, hey, man, you really touched me today. This is really, you know, affecting my life, and I really feel like there's something now that's going to happen here that I can be involved in. How can I give back? And my answer to them was become a monthly partner in the pew, right? And it's my, it's my answer to all of you listening. I, I cannot tell you – how important it is for us to continue to grow donor support, right? A lot of people have patrons and all that stuff, and you get all these things in return for giving five bucks or 10 bucks, but we're a nonprofit. We can't do that kind of stuff, right? We can't give you all this neat stuff because you gave us money. It's kind of against the rules. But what we can do is tell you that when you give money, it goes to help us reach men. I mean, I'm not kidding. That gave me an opportunity to get on a stage, and they gave me the opportunity to call these men to confession. And I poured my soul into it, not to brag on myself or anything, but I gave everything I had trying to convince these men and paint a different picture of confession. And what it is is a loving father that waits for you, like that father in the in the prodigal son story that met that son. And the Lord used me to do that. And, 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 it, and we watched those men going to confession and, and all those men, hours, man, in line and priests just pouring out the mercy of God. This is what your money is going to, is helping us get out there, helping us to market, let other people know what we're doing. It's helping us to go to these missions and these parishes and change lives. It's helping us to hire the people that we need to hire because I can't do it by myself. I've been here for the last month. Maggie's on vacation, or not vacation, she's on a spiritual retreat, silent retreat. My head would blow off in the first 30 minutes, <laughs> but she's doing it for a month. God bless her. And, and, and you know, we lost our development director. We, so here lately, it's been Victor helping me in the show and then me doing basically everything else. We've got Cecilia doing some marketing things for us, but we've got to have more support. 
And I'm just saying, if you guys have been touched by this in any way, and you're looking for a way to evangelize, you're looking for a way to give back, then become a monthly partner in the pew. Because every one of those $5, $10, $20, $250, whatever it is, each one of those helps us continue to move forward in the mission that God has set before us. Right? I will go in, as St. Paul says, make myself a fool for the gospel. All the time. I don't care. I love to do that, but it's only possible by the way that people continue to support us. And then we can bring on other people that we can train to be missionaries and to send out so that we can multiply the efforts and, and bear more fruit. But that's all dependent on you guys and you ladies that are out there that are being moved by this by choosing to support us. People ask me all the time, I want to know how to evangelize. Well, one of the greatest things you can do is give to us so we can go and continue to do that. And you become a partner in this work, a partner in this ministry. So, folks, I know I spend a lot of time talking about this every week. It's because it's important and this is the best platform and place that we have because most the, the most people that ever hear or see us is here on this podcast. So, I'm just putting my hat in my hand and saying, if this has helped you in any way, consider giving back so we can continue to help other people and become a part of this ministry. It's not just mine. It's not just Victor's. It's yours. Be a partner in the pew. You can do that by going to justaguyinthepew.com. There's a support button in the upper right corner, or you can go directly to our online giving platform, which is donorbox.org slash pew. So guys, there were thousands of you at the conference this weekend that may be listening now. We need your support. Please consider giving to us so we can help other people. Folks, thank you for listening to that. I know that it's always, you know, eight, ten minutes in the first part of the show, but uh, maybe, you know, you'll get uh, some time shaved off of purgatory or whatever well, it's, for listening. It's, it's really it's coming attractions, you know, so yeah. that's why it's important. Right? Yeah, that and just right. the needs. Like, I want to be right. honest with people. I don't want to sit here and act like everything's hunky-dory and mm-hmm. we're just overflowing with bountiful gifts we're not you know i mean i'm on the road so much because that's the way that this ministry is is 98 supported mm-hmm. with with the money we bring in from the work that we do um but there's other things the lord is calling us to do too and we need the time to do it and the only way we can do that is if we have donations that come in that support us if we have a month where we don't have a mission you know that's that's detrimental we lose a lot of money because mm-hmm. there's a lot of expenses so when we have that those those donors supporting us it allows us to take on those months, to not lose water, and to move forward ahead in the mission that God's given us. So thank you all again for that uh, and, and for, for being so kind to listen to it and to being open to considering joining us as a partner in the pew. So, Victor, as you know, for the last few weeks, we've been doing a Lenten series on slaw, or on not slaw. That's what we're going to do today. Yeah. On the seven you deadly gave it sins. Away, man. Yeah, that's it's right. right. Yeah. I didn't want to be lazy. I didn't <laughs> want to be slothful, right, yeah. so I went ahead and right. let it out of the bag. But so third third week of that's right. Deadly third week of this sins. Lenten yeah. series. Right. A lot of people came up to me this past weekend too and said, "Man, I've really enjoyed this." Mm-hmm. Like. I've wondered and struggled with Lent the way you've talked about, about I don't want to just give something up that's meaningless. I, I want to dive deeper into the faith. I want to walk closer to Christ. And this Lenten series has been a great way to do this by taking a seven deadly sin that we all, as we've said each week, major in one or two and minor in the rest, right. we all struggle with. So I'm randomly picking them. Like I sat down this morning, you know, traveled back from Columbus last night, went to Mass, came home and really just said, okay, What's Lord, where you want to go? And, and when I open this book, and this is a book that we've been using to journey through these, I want to give this a shout out. This is from Sophia Press. It's The Cries of Jesus from the Cross. It's an anthology of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. 
So this book has been phenomenal. I've used it for years in, in preparing for the podcast, and it's especially good when you're talking about these seven deadly sins. It's just an anthology of these works, and it, it's based on the seven last words of Christ. And so he goes in and he uses these words to kind of offset these seven deadly sins and, and give us an image of what Christ thinks about them. So I was opening and flipping through it, and it opened up to sloth. And I was like, okay, I guess we're doing that. Yep. And there was lots of highlights from what I've read through it several times, and and so it was a great thing to pull from. But So today we're going to get started on on our third week uh, talking about sloth and that sin, you know, slow sloth, whatever you want to call slowfulness, it. Slowfulness, whichever. Yeah, slowfulness. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I looked up on YouTube and all that stuff. How do you say it? And the majority said sloth, so that's what we'll stick right. with. Not the animal, but yeah, 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 the yeah, action yeah. But or inaction. The, yeah. the animal exhibits traits right. of uh, <laughs> very right. slow moving, lethargic, yeah. um, slow to make decisions. Like that's that's basically uh, some good definitions of what mm-hmm. sloth is. So we're going to jump into that today and jump into it now. We got a lot to cover in it. Um, the Lord just in this book had a lot to say, and then own personal thoughts of our own. So first of all, let's start off with really what what it is. What is sloth? Well, it's one of the seven deadly sins that all of us fall to at some point. Obviously, it's where most of the world is, and, and a lot of Christians. And you know, we can get. Where sloth becomes dangerous in the Christian life is when we become numb and lethargic, right? When when we're just checking boxes and right. going through the motions, and we preach about this all the time in our missions is like, what? Why are you doing the things you're doing? So many of us can have a checklist of, you know, we can look at on our fridge of all the Catholic things we did all week. You know, I went to all these groups and went to all these prayer things. I went to every healing hour and I went to every speaker that came to town and I went. Did you go with intentionality? What was the purpose? And, and, and what is the fruit that's gained out mm-hmm. of that? And where is it taking hold in your life? You know, a lot of times we can think that, you know, being slothful is inactivity, but it can also be a lot of activity that is really having bearing no fruit, right. where it's just falling on deaf ears. It's like those seeds that were thrown on the rocky part of the ground or in the sun that quickly burn up and go away. But, you know, to, to give the definition of the man that this book was 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 based on is – you know, uh, Fulton Sheen, he says, sloth is a mal- uh, malady of the will that causes us to neglect our duties. Sloth may be physical or spiritual. It is physical when it shows itself in laziness, procrastination, idleness, softness, indifference, and nonchalance. It is spiritual when it shows itself in an indifference to character betterment, a distastement for the spiritual, a hurried crowding of devotions, lukewarmness, and failure to cultivate new virtue. Now, St. Thomas goes on to say, sloth is a sadness arising from the fact that the good is difficult, right? So I think it's a beautiful picture that these two, you know, geniuses and, and, and saints, Archbishop Sheen, will, Venerable Fulton Sheen, I'm sure, will be a saint one day. He is. Yeah, yeah but but um, they both give a great definition mm-hmm. here of, of what it is in the spiritual life. Now, we're going to spend a couple minutes on the physical, but the majority of where this is really going to matter is in the mm-hmm. spiritual life. And he's right on point when he says lukewarmness, you know, failure to quote, cultivate new virtue, a distaste for the spiritual, crowding of devotions for no reason other than to say you did them, you know, and, and an indifference to bear, to bettering your character. So that's what they they describe as sloth. And and as we've talked about each week using Dr. Bob's, you know, help with with what he said in his work, We've talked about idolatries for each, mm-hmm. you know. So with envy, it was it was possessions and things. For anger, it was it was for control. This week, it, you know, the the idolatry for um, for sloth is um, comfort, mm-hmm. right? Is is the desire for comfort and ease, and to not do those hard things. It's kind of what Thomas was talking about there, Saint Thomas, when he said. 
um, sadness that arises from the right. fact that the good is difficult. So, Victor, that's where we're going to jump in with those two definitions, and then we'll start talking about how this matters in our spiritual life and everything. But first, I want to hear from you a little bit about sloth and what you think gotcha. and, and your what you think about those verses or not verses but right. quotes and kind of what you see sloth as being. Well, slothfulness, I think, is something I I know I battled in, in my young life in the sense of um, high school, college. Is this going to be a tomato and tomato thing? You're saying slothful, I'm saying slothful. What, you know, <laughs> you, you, you say what you want. Bro. You're more so, learned than me. Right. You sound well, more intelligent. I'm going to be over here talking about sloth so. or sloth. But anyway, go ahead. But but what it is is for me, it was like, you know, like uh, inaction. You know, yeah. like seeing some things I should do, but I'm like, ah, someone else will do that. Yeah. And I think a lot of us in, in our life, you know, where we were high school, college, or young, whatever, in young, you know, new in our marriage was kind of like, oh, well, you know, Christy can do that, you know, I, you know, and, and now obviously I've, I've grown up a lot, you yeah. know, and realized that, that a marriage is a partnership, like any kind of friendship, you know, you, if one friend's doing everything for the other, is it really a friendship? You sure. Know? It's a burden of a, of a relationship. Um, and so, you know, when you get, you have children, you know, you grow up quickly because it's a shared responsibility. Oh Yeah. Same thing with everything else in the household. Um, and, and I think for, for a lot of us, you know, we, we kind of divvy our time up of, like, you know, work. I, I'm, when you talk about I'm, I'm always busy. Work, I'm doing everything, answering emails. I'm doing everything I need to do, do or get that bonus or I'm working hard. But there's always something we neglect because we're putting all our energy in one basket. Oh, yeah. And so what Bishop Fulton Sheen is, like, saying, it could be either, like, physical or spiritual. A lot of us probably aren't slowful, you know, physically anymore, but spiritually we've neglected a lot, yeah. you know, and, and I think for, for Lent, it's great we're focusing on this because it's like, what are we doing for Lent? Like you said, uh, are, we, are we suffering in the sense of giving up Coke or Diet Coke yeah. or whatever, you know, something like that, or are we pushing ourselves to do something more than what we've done before, like saying the rosary or doing a devotion or, you know, doing something like calling on a friend who yeah. I haven't touched base with, but I know they're going through something, like being a support person for somebody. I mean, that we need we need to kind of be actioned, um, action jackson, as you could say, in yeah. both <laughs> parts of our lives, you know, and, and physically and spiritually to pair up is what we're doing, because like, that's what works, is, you know, faith with works Yeah, is, is what we're calling Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Fulton Sheen talks about that in that chapter, too. He says, you know, faith without works is dead, right? right? You know, we have to, we can't just, and he, and he talks about, like, slothfulness as being, like, just depending on the mercy of God only and thinking that you don't have to do anything. He says something along the lines of, uh, he said it, it, it would be like um, sitting back and looking at the accolades of George Washington but not doing your duty as a patriot and an American, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he, he has a lot of different examples in there too. Um, you know, going to a doctor for help but then not doing your part by taking the medicine, mm-hmm. right, is, is what he was kind of saying. And you make a lot of good points there. I mean, first of all, you're talking about Lent. I mean, you're right. We do need to sacrifice and give up things. Like I, I've chosen in Lent – to uh to fast on Wednesday and Friday. And then when I fast on those days, Wednesday I'm not just you know, not eating. When I do have the one meal, I'm not eating meat. I'm going to eat fish mm-hmm. or seafood. Um there's some things like that that I'm doing, you know, to give up, but it's it's how do I start to live in these better ways through these things that we're looking at too? And how do I put into practice and you know, you made a point too about like you know, working and, and, and doing all these things, putting your head down in that, you know, that could seem like, okay, well, I'm being pro, I'm, pro, I'm being productive. I'm mm-hmm. not sitting on a couch. A lot of times we can kind of see 
Sloth is like a, a, a guy like Joe Sixpack on the couch with a beer belly, and you know all he does is get up right. to get another beer. Yeah, like mom. Like, yeah, yeah, mom. We're out of d- Mountain Dew. Mom, That's make right. me a cheese toast or whatever. Yeah, what do you say? Right. That Will yeah. Ferrell in that one yeah. movie. Mom, yeah. mom, meatloaf. That's what he yeah. said. Meatloaf. Mom, where's the meatloaf? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's that's what we get an image of. But also, sloth can be like when when we're neg- as you said, we're piling everything in one pile and neglecting right. something. So we could think, well, man, I'm working my tail off and I'm I'm, I'm forty hours a day and all this stuff. Yeah, and you're neglecting your family and you're neglecting mm-hmm. your faith and you're neglecting all these other things. So there's a lot of ways that this can play into our life, um, you know. And so this is why we need to look at it, especially spiritually, because this is the thing, like. Sloth is the thing about it is it's it's a slow killer, mm-hmm. right? It's a slow death. Um, you know, it, both physically and spiritually, most people don't become like unhealthy all at once. Right? You don't wake up one day and you're 300 pounds overweight, right? right? You just there's nothing that just that just happens to you. Bad choices in our life, the way we eat, the way that we our lack of ex- exercise, those things over time. You know, we look in the mirror one day and we're like, man, I've got chins that have chins, mm-hmm. right? Or or these clothes used to fit and they don't fit anymore. These things happen over time in the physical realm. That's why it's so important. I said we touch on the physical to not be lazy, to get up and you know, your body's a temple to do things, to train. I mean, I don't, I could easily say I'm too busy to work out. I'm choosing now to get up to walk a lot. I, I'm doing some, some boxing stuff and things like that to get my heart beating, to get moving. Um, I don't know that I'm shedding tons of pounds, but at least I'm getting up and, and giving some of my life to, Lord, you've given me this body and I'm going to take care of it, right? I'm going to do my best to treat it. Like getting eight hours of sleep, you know, things like that are very healthy to the body and help with that. So those are things physically, but but it can also, it's gradual in the spiritual life in the same way, right? Because very rarely does a person find themselves far from God in an instant. You know, it's generally a gradual withdrawal as we continually give into the comforts and the ease, uh, easier path that the world provides, right? It's, it's well, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say that rosary day. I know I said I'd say one every day, but I'll do one tomorrow and I'll just do two tomorrow. And then it's three the next day and then four. Or I know I need to pray, but gosh, it's just one of those days where I'm so busy. Or man, I know I've been going to daily mass, but but it's okay if I just missed a day or two. Pretty soon we find ourselves lackadaisical. We're talking about this in the men's group all the time. This is why we do four nights a month. That people go, four nights, man. Can we just start off with like one? Yeah, you could, but you'll you'll be very quickly, you'll have no men's group. Mm-hmm. Because all the devil needs is three more opportunities to show men that, you know, I went home last week and I poured a drink and watched the ball game. That was nice. You know, I, I won't go again this week, right? All we need is just to crack that door a little bit for the devil to start pouring in comfort and ease and all those things. And then we're way away from God and we're, we're sitting there adrift. It's like being in a, in a, in a rowboat. And, 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 you know, looking off in the distance and not really paying attention, you look up and you're 40 miles from the shore, right? Because the waves start carrying you right. away. And so this is what sloth does in our life. And Bishop Archbishop Fulton Sheen talks about this again, too. He says, we lose our souls not only by the evil we do, but also by the good we leave undone. The things that we willingly choose to put aside for easier things, right? Like I was just talking about. He goes on to say, neglect the body and the muscles stiffen. Uh, neglect the mind and imbecility comes, right? You're, you lose your, your prowess and your mental capacity. He says, neglect the soul and ruin comes. This is the danger of the spiritual mm-hmm. life of when we neglect these things and these practices. You know, and, and, and unfortunately, what it leads to is a turning away from the cross, not only of the cross of Jesus, you know, knowing it, it, looking at him as our example, as our guide to do the hard things because he, he did more hard things than anyone will ever do. 
but also our own personal crosses in our life, laying them down instead of picking them up. Mm-hmm. Um, a good point you make is, you know, obviously when when we don't exercise our mind in, in prayer, we, we become like imbecilic, as you as I said, at Bishop Fulton Sheen said. Yeah. Uh, and what that means is that not that we become stupid, it's become we, we become not only neglectful, but we become um, incapacitated to to dialogue with our Father. Yeah. And and I think when you when you don't spend time and in, in deepen yourself in prayer or you know going to mass and and being immersed in the mass. Uh, you you lose touch of who you're supposed to be, yeah. Um, and by by that you you become so self reliant that you think you're wiser than God, and that is the danger of of being like slow. Or you think you don't need him, right? right? Yeah. Like yeah. I don't need him. Everything's going fine, and that's the danger. I mean, the devil allows you know some of these things to happen to where you you, you know yeah you you take these blessings that God's giving you, mm-hmm. but then you, you you lose your gratitude and you take them for granted. And then all of a sudden you become lazy, right? right? You become lazy, and and you know in other movies, what that Wally movie, the Disney movie, mm-hmm. uh, where all the people are up on the, the spaceship, rounds. Yeah, yeah, when they yeah. show them, they're all like in in mobile chairs because yeah. they're so huge they can't get around, and they become gluttons, which we'll talk about that sin mm-hmm. in the next few weeks too. But like the, when we move away from the hard things, the things that challenge us, we become okay with being lazy. Right, it's like a dog that decides he don't want to chase a car anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, it's laid on the porch and you're 400 pounds. Right, and 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 everything is hard and everything is difficult and everything is a chore. And then it gets that mindset of what Saint Thomas talks about, where we get this sadness that arises in us because everything is difficult. Right, then all of a sudden we've we've built this 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 thought process in our mind that I want to be better, but it's too hard, mm-hmm. right? I want to pray, but it's hard. I don't know what to say. And then we start making excuses and, and we keep getting further and further away from the Lord. You know, we had a, a buddy of mine, Matt Hicks, that writes into the show a bunch. I was in Columbus and looked down in between the talks and saw a text and it said, more Talladega Nights references, yeah. please. So he appreciated your references and shout out to Matt. He's been a supporter and a friend for a number of uh, years now, but it made me think, okay, well, as I was writing this, what's another movie? Mm-hmm. Well, Office Space, mm-hmm. right? That's one of my favorite movies of all time as far as funny and hey, comedy Peter. and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. But really, what is the premise of that movie? Mm-hmm. The guy gets, he, you know, he's going to try to, he's kind of dead inside and he's trying to work out things with his girlfriend or whatever. And then the, the this doctor puts him in, hypnotizes him Hypnos- and yeah, then yeah. dies right. while he's still in this state mm-hmm. of not caring, right? right? About not caring things because he's so worried about everything. So he he's like, I just wish I couldn't care. And so he hypnotizes mm-hmm. him. And the whole movie, he just stops like stops going to work. And when he goes to work, he's like gutting fish that he was out catching on his desk. Right. And he undoes his cubicle and knocks it down. And he just gets this nonchalant attitude. And everybody's like, man, it's so awesome. But really, it's not. Because what happens is like he walks away from the difficulty of his life. And he starts to pursue this like carefree, doesn't matter to me. Everybody do your own thing. And and that's a very dangerous place to be. At the end of the movie, it shows him just going to do manual labor because it's easier, right? Mm-hmm. And, and anybody who's done manual labor knows it's not easy. But the movie portrays like now he doesn't have a care in the world, yeah. and he's gotten away from all those things, and he's become his own you know, finder of peace and all this stuff. And this is what the devil wants to do in our life, convincing you that, oh, if you're just comfortable and if it's easy and you don't have difficulty and you're, it's mindless, then that's bliss, right? Mm-hmm. That's peace. That's what we're looking for. But man, it, it it really is like the wool being pulled over your right. eyes 
Because what you're doing is you're slowly dying inside, not only physically, but but spiritually too. Mm-hmm. Because who wants to live a life that isn't unchallenged? Who wants to live a life with no no crosses to bear and no sufferings to come to face with? Right? That's that's not the heroic life. Mm-hmm. That's the life of of David in 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 in, in you know Second Samuel chapter eleven when he chose to to not fight and lay on the couch. I mean, it kills me every time I read that verse in the Bible. One day late in the afternoon, David rose from the couch, and he was somewhere he should have never been. And then he wound up seeing Bathsheba, and then all the fall of Israel happened after yeah. that mm-hmm. because of his lackadaisalness, his laziness, his his decision to be slothful in a moment. And this is what it costs us. And you know, and the Gospels talk about this a lot. Not only the Gospels, but the Old Testament. You know, one thing that Archbishop Sheen was talking about in there, one of the verses he used, was from Proverbs. And it says this. It says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man without sense. And lo, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw it and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Right, and I'm just like, man, what an image like of this garden that once was fruitful and right. and, and bearing fruit and and full of life, and now it's covered with, as it says, um, the ground was covered with nettles and thorns, like everything's Brambles. overgrown. Right, yeah. right. At one point, we stopped picking the weeds. Right, we stopped pulling the weeds and, and let it overgrow, and even the walls that protected it were broken down and 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 just covered over. Mm-hmm. And this is what our spiritual life can become. And Lord knows Jesus has got a lot to say about it in the the New Testament. Lack of discipline is the walls. Yeah, like what does he say? What does he say? um, uh, You know, what examples does he give in in the New Testament? Well, one, the foolish virgins, right? That parable where he's talking about, you know, there was this this big wedding banquet and and this big you know festival, and they were going to be invited in, and everyone was invited, and you had these virgins that had their 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 uh, their things full of oil, their lamps full of oil. Oil. And all of a sudden, the foolish virgins realize that that the master's coming. They fall asleep. They have no oil. They rush out to get it. And when they return, the door's locked. And mm-hmm. as they beat and plead to let in, let us in, he says, "I don't know you. Like I don't know you. Mm-hmm. You've you you weren't here. You weren't prepared. You weren't ready." So the Lord is given a great example right then of like you can't sit on your laurels and be lazy because you missed out. And remember, they were begging for the other other virgins who were wise, who right. who stayed true and they who kept watch, right? Who kept vigil. They were begging for them to share their oil, and they say we can't because we may not have enough. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's a lesson that Jesus is trying to show there about preparedness and readiness, and not sitting back on our laurels and just and saying, "Well, eventually I'll get around to it," because in modern day times you could die tomorrow, you could have a heart attack right now, right, and, and not be in a good place with the it, Lord. It's risky to think you can slide in safely at home, yeah, at last second. Like it, yeah. it's just like who who's who in their life right now? I mean, I know there's there's plenty of situations where people don't have the means to put away money at a, at a, at a high level. But if you do, who's not like putting money away to because you'll need it one day to retire, right? You'll need it to be able to live when you're no longer able to work. Mm-hmm. It's foolish to not take things like that and just say, well, I'm going to blow it now because I may die tomorrow and I don't have things. There's a difference between storing up your treasures just to have them right. 
and actually being smart about preparing for something. And this is what the Lord is saying is like, we've got to be preparing in our life. So he goes on and he talks in another parable about the bear, not a parable, but what actually happened. He comes out of a town from preaching and he's hungry and he goes over to a fig tree and he looks and there's no figs and he curses the fig tree. Curse you barren, you will be from now on. Never will you again produce fruit. And that's why he was angry because he was looking for something. He showed up for something, expected it to bear fruit. It didn't. And so he cursed it. And this is a prefigurement of judgment day, right? Of of when we show up and he's looking at us and going, you had all this time and you're yeah. not prepared. And now you can't get in. Same thing with the with the virgins, right? You had your chances. You had your option. But instead, you chose comfort. You chose ease. You chose laziness. So this is a lesson, you know, for us that that if we don't want to be cursed and sent away by God, you know, then we need to be prepared. He goes on again to talk about the parable of the talents, right? The, the master gives three people, you know, one five, one ten, one one talent. The, the first two go and they double them or they do something. They bring back a return on the investment. The other one goes and buries it in the ground and says, well, it would be safer if I just put it there where nothing will happen to it. And what happens? The master curses the one that buried it. Mm-hmm. Cursed are you. Like, you lazy. You, and he even says, you slothful servant. And he says, throw him out where he could, he'll be victim to the gnashing of teeth. Right? And this is where... This is where Jesus again is saying, like, I didn't give you gifts for you not to do something with them. I didn't give you knowledge of me and what I've done for you mm-hmm. so you could sit back and be inactive and not care about what I've done for you in your life. There's a call on every Christian to go and live the things that I've called. And in every one of us, we could sit back. I said this at the men's conference this weekend. If we're all sitting around saying, well, when's somebody going to do something? then no one's ever going to do anything mm-hmm. because we're all waiting on somebody else. It's the call of each of us to get up with the gifts we've been given, the knowledge of what the Lord's called us to, to go out and live in that. And if we don't, I mean, there's there's very, very dire consequences. I mean, the, Jesus even says in Revelations, right? What does he say? So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You, you've quoted that before on mm-hmm. shows. This is Jesus saying, like, I don't like the way you taste. Like, I can't, I'm not going to put up with, like, you're you're neither good nor bad. You're just nothing, right? Like, you're, you're, you're not choosing any side. Mm-hmm. You're just sitting there doing the spiritual hokey pokey, and this is not what the Lord Trying wants. Trying to live safe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's a danger to all of us. I mean, you know, to go a little bit further, to look at the example of Jesus, he certainly wasn't slothful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at him, and, and, and what does he do? Like, at 12 years old, He's, his family is distraught, and where are you, and what are you doing? And they find him, what does he say? I'm about my father's business. Like, even at 12 years old, he's like, I have a mission. Mm-hmm. I have something set before me of the greatest work anybody's ever going to do, and I'm about that business. Now, he was obedient to his mother and father and went home with them, and he lived in obedience. And what did he do for those years? He worked with his hands. He got out. He didn't sit around and say, well, I'm I'm the son of God, so Mary, feed me grapes. Joseph, bring me water. You know, one day I'm going to save all of you, so I'm going to ignore you, and I'm going to sit on my hind laurels until it's my time to go do my thing. No. What did he do? He built tables. He built roofs. He he, he fixed wagons. He did all of these things as a carpenter. And eventually, as, fish, as Archbishop Fulton Sheen said, says too in in this book he says he died by the hand of his craft mm-hmm. right at the hand of woodworking at the hand of a cross at the foot of the cross right he died on that cross so like there in that life he sat there and he prepared himself by not being lazy he he worked with his hands and learned to trade but he also learned his faith he continued to perfect to perfect his, the, being a Jew right and practicing the faith so we see that in Jesus's life and then 
what did he do when it was his time to go out to, to fulfill his mission? He preached relentlessly for three years, never slowing, never stopping, never stopping seeking the Father's will. This is why he was always going off to pray by himself. Mm-hmm. And he followed it all the way to his death. Right, and this is what we're called to do too: is to pick up our cross and do that too. And these are the words that Archbishop Sheen uses the 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 words of the seven last words of Christ to to depict this remedy to to, to sloth. What does Jesus say on the cross? His final thing: it is finished. Right, like he looks down at the earth, looks down at the devil after everything that he's done, and looks at him and says, "It is finished." Right, what my Father has given me to do, I have completed, and I've not gotten lazy. I've not gotten lackadaisical. I've not gotten comfort comfortable. I have done what my Father has asked me, and this is our call in our life: is that we have to be looking to one day be able to look down and say, "It's finished." Like I've done what the Lord's given me, and and when we're not doing this, we are we're not only damaging ourselves, but we're damaging what God is you know is asked of us. And another powerful quote, and I want your thoughts from Archbishop Fulton Sheen here, Bishop or Bishop <laughs> Bishop Victor, <laughs> Bishop Victor. He says, "Our Lord loved His cross so much that He keeps its scars even in His glory. He who had won victory over death kept the record of His wounds." If so precious to him, they cannot be meaningless for us. On judgment day, he will say to each of us, show me your hands and feet. Where are your scars of victory? Have you fought no battles for truth? Have you no have you no have you not fought wars for goodness? Have you made no enemy of evil? If we can ever prove we have been his warriors and show the scars on our apostolic hands, we too shall enjoy the peace of victory. Mm-hmm. These are what this is what God is asking of us, and this is what we're going to run into, and the questions we're going to be coming across when the Lord sees us, when it's our time, when our numbers call. Right, you know, and I talked about this earlier about the eighty twenty, you yeah. know, the percent rule, and those in business know this too, but but more so, I guess it's it's an issue now in in the churches, you know, cross denominational, and, and the eighty twenty rule is pretty much twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the work. Yeah, in the congregation, and that that's unfortunate because that twenty percent of people who do all these things, who who run study groups, who who, who do uh, volunteer men stuff, who do like any fundraising stuff, or clean the altar, clean the is, altar. Yeah. So so like I said, these people who are, who do this twenty percent is getting smaller and smaller because. They're either retiring or they're, you know, passing, passing away. away. Right. Yeah. So so who are we? You know, where where are we? Are we part of that eighty percent that doesn't that lets twenty percent do all the work? Or are we going to be that twenty percent that does more of the work? You know, we're we're in our holy rosary is uh, raising money for school, right? And I think thirty three percent of the, the whole family people that attend the school yeah. actually are donating money. Sure. You know, not to say this is this is like saying donate money. I'm, I'm saying do something. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, like find something that you're passionate about that you used to be passionate about, and go to the church office. Say, hey, do you have anyone? I mean, like, I don't have anything to do on this day. Is there anything I can do to you know help answer phone calls or whatever like that? You know, be that twenty percent. Hopefully, that becomes more over time. But be that twenty percent person that does you know that work for people because we're we're. We're not all. We can't do everything. Well, that's the thing. Right. We there's too many consumers and not enough uh, contributors. Right. Right. We want to uh, even in men's groups and stuff. It could be very. That's why a lot of them fail. One guy's doing everything. You know. And and for a long time in our group, that was me. Before mm-hmm. the Lord gave us the four pillars and the leadership model and all that stuff. Now John Hoffman, Colin, a bunch of you've done stuff. David's done stuff. Nick stepped up. A lot of different people. Jerry, a bunch of people yeah. have done different things to help. 
Because if we're not careful, we can become just that, consumers. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to show up. Somebody's going to provide something for me. I'm going to consume all of it, not do anything to help or be a part of it, and then go on about my way. Right. That's the way we can be in the church and a lot of different things in our life, right? I'm going to show up and, and you know, even like at ball games, you know, like people that get peanuts at a ball game and you just throw your, your, your shells all over the ground. They mm-hmm. tell you to do it, but somebody's got to pick that up, right? Yeah. right? Like you're just going to enjoy the thing and run off while somebody slaves three more hours picking up your garbage. That's not what we're supposed to be like as Christians. We're supposed to enter into the body of Christ and, and to bring our gifts to the table and to, to lock arms with our brothers and sisters and to do what's called of us, not to sit on the sidelines and, and watch the game as it's being played, mm-hmm. right? And then collect a ring because you were on the team. That's not how it works. Right. Right, this isn't you're the third string quarterback like in a, on a on an NFL team. The way they get a Super Bowl ring, that's not going to happen in heaven, right? Where you just happen to be like, I put my name on the team roster, so where's my ring at? Mm-hmm. It has to be worked for individually and as for the whole, right? You have to give that work in your spiritual life, not be lazy, and then you have to go and enter back into the body of Christ. So you know, Paul talks about this a lot too. He says in Corinthians. Um, what is that? First Corinthians 9, 24 and 30. He says, Do you not know that the runners in the stadium all run in the race, but only one wins the prize? Run so as to win. I love that line. Run so as to win. Every athlete exercises discipline in every way. They do it to win a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. Thus, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight as if I were shadow boxing. No, I drive my body and train it for fear that after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Mm-hmm. I love that run is to win and don't run aimlessly. That's what so many of us are doing in our life. We're, we're going to church on Sundays. Maybe we pray every once in a while. Maybe we have hard to do a devotion, but we're running aimlessly and it's so dangerous. And, and this is the thing, like the other side of that is, as we talked about, you can busy yourself doing a lot of things. You know, we can also be afraid of doing nothing so much so that we busy ourselves with so many things and tons of spiritual activities that we aren't doing them with any intentionality. And this is what Paul's saying is like, don't run aimlessly. Mm-hmm. Don't run all over the place like a chicken with your head cut off and just half doing anything because, you know, a lot of good things you're doing, you're probably not great at any of them. Right, find the things and be intentional about what's working for you. This is what I would say about it: is like don't confuse activity with productivity. You know, any day of the week, give me fewer things done well and with great intentionality than a bunch of things done half-hearted. Mm-hmm. Right? Like don't don't just check boxes. Enter into everything with a purpose and is and a desire to move forward. As Paul says, run is to win. That's what this episode is about. Is like we can't sit back and be lazy. There are penalties for this. Christ is. I know a lot of a lot of today's Christianity and a lot of you know non-denominational stuff and Joel Olstein and all that. It's like just be a good person and you'll get to heaven and just do what you want to do and be nice. That's not the gospel. No, no. right. It's not the gospel at all. Jesus tells us, and as I said in those parables and in suffer. those examples, yeah. Yeah. right? There's consequences right. for not living the life that we're called. Not trying to scare anybody, but trying to give people a wake up call mm-hmm. so victor we don't want to leave with just like hey you better be better how do we do it you know and, and for folks i know the show's gone a little bit long but it's a lot to cover this is a big sin that so many of us fall to and we need to talk about it a lot and show examples so that we can see it in our own life and move forward but how do we do it i would say just a short thing on the physical life stop being lazy stop procrastinating if there's something you know you need to do do it like don't put it off don't say well i can do it tomorrow because you don't know if tomorrow's coming 
right? And if you keep putting things off to tomorrow, guess what? Tomorrow is going to be full of things that you're putting off the next day and the next day and the next thing. If something comes to your mind, get up and do it. Right, do the things you know you need to do, especially with your health and those things, and do them, and 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 be well in the spiritual life. Embrace the crosses, appreciate the struggles and the difficulties. Right, stop being lukewarm. Get on the bus and get serious about your faith. You know, stop stop with the spiritual hokey pokey. One foot in, one foot out. You know, that's where most of us are. One day we're good, one day we're not. None of us are perfect, but start focusing on having the good days more often than the bad ones. Do what you need to do there. Because one day it could be too late. You know, the, another movie quote, take the words of Yoda, do or mm-hmm. do not. There is no try. Mm-hmm. There is no in-between. You have to pick a side. And hopefully you're going to pick the side that gets you to heaven with a person that loves you and wants to be with you forever. Stop checking boxes. Cut out all the things. And people will probably kill me for saying this. What do you mean stop doing holy things? Cut out all the things you're doing to just do and make an intentional plan. Pick the things that help you grow in virtue and draw you close to the Lord and do them. You don't have to do 8 billion things just because everybody's doing 8 billion things. Where do I find a relationship with the Lord? Where do I feel fulfilled? Where do I feel my gifts are being used the most? Where am I? Where can I help the most? Find that place and search yourself. Live in there and do those things that draw you closer to the Lord and help you become a better person for those around you. And then finally, ask God to give you the strength and the determination to run us to win. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to put God over other things in your life because the devil's always telling you you're going to lose something. Stop listening to that. Give, Pray to God. Ask God for the strength to choose him and to choose him again and again and again because that's a prayer he wants to hear and it's one that he'll answer. So, Victor, I mean, I know this is a huge problem in my life a lot of times. I know it's a problem in tons of Christians because mm-hmm. I hear it all the time. But, folks, it doesn't have to be. As Paul says, run is to win. Make your mind up. Get intentional about the things that you're doing. And, and, and stop being lazy in your spiritual life and other in other places of your life, right? Give to the Lord as he has given to you so you can be with him forever. So, Victor, let's take it to prayer, okay? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we all know that the devil wants to distract us and turn us away from you. One of his favorite ways to do that is by pray, is praying on our desires for comfort and ease. When these temptations come, help us to remember that we were not made for comfort, but we were made for greatness. And Father, whenever the sin of Saul tries to take hold in our lives, remind us of your distaste for the lukewarm and help us to run as to win. In the name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.